0: Ezekiel chapter thirty-seven, Ezekiel chapter thirty seven, verses one to fourteen, and you can find that on page eight three six or eight hundred and thirty-six. I'm never sure well we say eight three, anyway. I don't know why I do that, but I do. Valley of the dry bones, a very well known passage. The hand of the Lord was upon me, and he brought me out of the Spirit by the Spirit of the Lord and set me in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. He led me to and fro among them, and I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were very dry. He asked me, Son of man, can these bones live? I said, Sovereign Lord, you alone know. So I prophesied as I was commanded, and as I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound, and the bones came together, bone to bone. I looked, and tendons and flesh appeared on them, and skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. And he said to me, prophesy to the the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to it, this is what the sovereign Lord says, come from the four winds, O breath. And breathe into these slain, that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded, and breath entered them. They came to life and stood up on their feet, a vast army. He said to me, son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. They say, our bones are dried up and our hope is gone. We are cut off. Therefore prophesy I say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says, Oh, my people, I'm going to open your graves and bring you up from them. I will bring you back to the land of Israel, and then you, my people, will know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and bring you up from them. I will put my spirit in you, and you will live, and I will settle you in your own land. Then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken, and I have done it declares the Lord. Ezekiel 37 to 39 follows uh, last sermon, which is logical, I think. How long ago was that? Was it last week? Oh no, we had a break, of course. for Easter, of course,. Yeah. So you might have forgotten, but we've turned a corner in Ezekiel. Ezekiel, a change has come where there is hope. And chapters 37 to 39 carry on that hope. We're going to be concentrating mainly on chapter 37 today. Chapter 37 to 39 is about people going through a disaster. As we've seen around us, there have been lots of disasters around us bushfires, floods, etc., COVID. 37 tells us about a people going through disaster but coming out the other side of it, coming out with a fresh start. It's about God breaking in and rectifying the things that are going wrong. It's a reversal of fortunes, you might say, which is the title of my sermon today. I I work very hard on the titles, by the way, so I hope you're very impressed. As I said, this week week follows the good news from last week. This is a future that God is calling them to, a future where God himself will personally be involved. The leaders of the people, as you might remember from last week, were condemned. They could not do the job required of them. They did not do the job required of them. So God himself promised that he himself would lead them, would lead them as a good shepherd. That person would be someone like David, someone like David who indeed would be God himself. It's enormous promise. It adds to the promises that were given in David, that David would have a descendant on the throne forever. I don't know about you, but forever is a big word. Uh, Our society loves to use words like that now when they say things even though they can't happen. So what was the sign on on the harbour bridge? Eternity. Does that make any sense on a piece of metal that we have to continually paint, paint and paint and paint <laughs> so that rust doesn't get to it and that doesn't fall into the thing? We love that word. We love those sentiments. God promises those things. There are three big reversals that God is going to do He's going to bring his people under the leadership of a new shepherd, the one he promised in Ezekiel 34. Three reversals is, as we've read in verses 1 to 14, life instead of death. Now, Ezekiel 37 is one of the best known passages. Have you ever heard it before? Anyone? Ever heard of dry bones? You like it? It's very graphic. Did you notice that? Very graphic. It's very dramatic, and it's incredibly powerful. God brings bleached and lifeless bones to life. They are old. They're not new. They've been there a long time. They are dry. It's a picture of Ezekiel speaking God's word to the exiles in Babylon, a people who are as good as dead, a people who say they are dead, a people who have given up hope, a people dead in their sins and transgressions, yet God says, come to life. You're going to come to life. He's going to raise he people up and breathe literally new life into them. The dead will live again. It's the image from Genesis, isn't it, where God breathed life into Adam and he made life come. He created him out of the dust. Did he leave him there? No, he breathed life into him. And as you realize, and as you notice in that chapter, breath and wind are the same word in Hebrew. And you see it interchange in that, even in Ezekiel 37. When is the four winds are blowing? When are the four winds the winds? And when are they God's spirit? What he's saying is, God is gathering a people from all over the place, and he will do it. God is going to say, I will put my spirit in them, in you, and you will live. That's very dramatic. And he says, I have spoken, and when it happens, you know I have done it. There's a great emphasis here because they doubt that he's there. Now, I don't know about you, but when things go bad in life, when fortunes disappear, where cars, engines fail, not that I'm thinking of anything in particular. When jobs get overturned, when all sorts of sickness comes, you can think is God here? Is he real? Is he actually dead in my life? His people think that. His people think he's, they've aban- he's abandoned them. But God says, I will make you live. And Ezekiel 37, the week after uh, Easter, is usually often used on Easter Sunday, isn't it? It's an image of resurrection, of recreation, a recreation of people done by God. His people who are literally dead in their sins and rebellion are going to be made alive again. What a marvellous promise. It's incredible reading, Ezekiel 37. And, of course, we hear something familiar here. It's the promise that has come to us because of Jesus. Jesus, the good shepherd, is the one that this promise speaks of. You'll realise that by the end of the Old Testament, this promise And all the other promises remain unfulfilled. That after Ezekiel, after the prophets, there will be good starts, but they will prove to be false hopes. Why is that? It's because the leaders fail, just like we've seen. It's because God needs to do this as he promised in Ezekiel 34. As he says in Ezekiel 37, these things remain unfulfilled until Jesus comes. And when he comes, he proves to be the good shepherd. He leads people truthfully. He leads them, importantly, to new life, new life from the dead. Romans 8.11 says, if the spirit of him Who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who lives in you. That's a great thing, isn't it? We think of it as a great thing about life after death, but actually that new life starts now. That new life starts when we place our trust in God doing the work. I couldn't do it. Have I told you my, my uh, what do you call it, testimony? You know, when I was uh, 17, I uh, had the great idea that I, I really hadn't been very good and I needed to get good. I knew I needed to get good because Jesus wanted me to be good. So I thought I needed to get good and I would going to do that now a very determined person at 17 very determined i got that the next day i got up to go to school i lived from here to the station away from the high school where i went roughly maybe even closer i had to cross a major road not quite as major as this i had to cross a major road ish to get to it i got to that road and I promised myself I'm going to be good because I've got to get good to be Jesus. I got to that road and the first thing I did, could do was not get across when I wanted to. And what did I do? What do you do when you can't do something you want to do when you're 17? Well, I, I, obviously I can't speak for all of you, but me, I uh, suddenly was not good. <laughs> What came out of my mouth was not good. And I suddenly was surrounded in a great sense of failure. I couldn't believe that I decided to be good. And I got out the front door, 50 metres away, I failed. And I couldn't get good That was very depressing, and I gave up. Fortunately, God didn't give up on me because that's the way it does. He will pursue you wherever you are when he wants you, and he did. And that's when I realized it wasn't about me getting good. It was actually about Jesus, who was good. It was about him and putting my trust in him because he paid the price. It was his good life. It was him, that he didn't mind me being me when I came to him. He was just going to come to me, breathe into me, and change me. That's what these people are promised. It's a phenomenon we know from Nicodemus in John chapter 3, and the phrase that he says is you must be, two words, you must be, you know it, only you knew it. We don't like saying that in the Presbyterian Church. Born again, We uh, cringe and whinge and whatever, but we can't help it. It's here. Jesus will raise us to life. Those promises unfulfilled are fulfilled in him, and he does that. Secondly, they are promised to be unified instead of divided. God is planning a unified people of his own. Formerly, though, you remember there was Israel and Judah. So there was a divide, wasn't there? There was a pretty severe divide. Sorry to point I won't point at you again. Ezekiel 37, 22 says, this is what the sovereign Lord says. I will take the Israelites out of nations where they have gone. I will gather them from all around and bring them back into their own land. I will make them one nation in the land on the mountains of Israel. They will be, have one king over all of them, and they will never again be two nations or to be divided into two kingdoms. They are to be unified instead of divided, and God will do that again. Instead of being divided, they will be gathered and unified. They're gathered because they have one leader, God himself. Again, those promises and those starts looked promising after this time, but by the end of the Old Testament, they are unfulfilled. Yet in Jesus, he comes to bring unity and bring people together. That's why those four winds, the breath is blowing. He's gathering people from all places. We are a people who are united in Christ. People often say when they go overseas, when they meet people, suddenly they have, don't have much of a connection, but once they are Christians, we come together. I once once was at a church where a man from Turkey came, a Christian from Turkey. I remember telling that to someone once and they said, what was his name? Because there are so few Christians in Turkey. But anyway, uh, that story was when he came, he couldn't speak English very well, but he felt at home because he was a believer in Jesus. We are united in Christ because God himself will breathe new life into us and that life will unite us. Galatians 3.28 said there's neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, for you're all one in Christ Jesus. That's a great thing that we share, God's common spirit of unity and love. Thirdly. He will bring security instead of vulnerability, which is a word I've struggled to say. People have got a promise, security, verse 24 in chapter 37. My servant David will be king over them and they will have one shepherd. They will follow my laws and be careful to keep my decrees. They will live in the land I gave to them, the land your forefathers lived. They and their children, their children's children will live there forever. And David, my servant, will be their prince forever. I'll make a covenant with them. It will be an everlasting covenant. I will establish them and increase their numbers. I will put my sanctuary among them forever. My dwelling place will be with them. I will be their God and they will be my people. Then the nations will know that I, the Lord, make Israel holy when my sanctuary is among them forever. The everlasting covenant of peace, again mentioned here, remains unfulfilled after the prophets. By the end of the Old Testament, we're still looking for it. When Jesus comes, that everlasting covenant is brought into effect. You might remember when we did the Last Supper, the Lord's Supper, not the Last Supper, the Lord's Supper, which is about the Last Supper, One of the things that comes is that we have an everlasting covenant by what Jesus did for us in his blood, by his blood on the cross. This covenant means that we are tied to him. We have great security and against vulnerability. The vulnerability comes in verse 38 and 39. You might know uh, chapter thirty-eight and thirty-nine, Gog and Magog. Do you like those words, Gog and Magog? You love know saying that, Gog and Magog, Gog and Magog. You say that quickly, and it, it, you end up in a real time twister. Thirty-eight and thirty-nine are the two Gog and Magog. They symbolize the worst enemies you could have, and you can imagine they come, and yet they are crushed. That's what. uh, these uh, chapters are saying, God has us secure in his loving arms. No matter what, God's people are protected by their living Lord. Whatever is happening to you, wherever you find yourself, whatever you think is not what it should be, God's promise to you in Jesus is I will always be with you. You may feel vulnerable, but I have made you mine. You are secure in my loving arms. And so it's a reversal of fortune. And as I said, all these things come true ultimately in the good shepherd, the one who is his son. The follower of Jesus goes from death to life, says Ephesians 2. The follower of Jesus has entered into a unified people, says Ephesians 3, 13 and after. The follow of Jesus has gone from being at the mercy of the forces of evil to being safe and secure in the arms of our God, says Romans 8, 38 to 39. It's a great promise here. It's a great reversal of what they've been experiencing, and it's a great reversal that has happened for us, fulfilled in Jesus. The God that promised to deliver them has delivered us in Jesus. He has called us from the far corners of the world and made us his people in Jesus, in Christ. Jesus makes sure that all these promises have come true. I suppose that leads us to ask, how are we doing with this Jesus who should be centre stage? Is he centre stage? Is he drifting off the picture, out of the picture? The God who has come to claim us and to give us all these things, how do we honour him? Lots of things are screaming for our attention, but there's nothing more important, as we know, than Jesus. Nothing more important than seeking him in his ways. Nothing more important than resting and trusting in his love. Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we praise you and thank you for a wonderful salvation brought for us, we praise you and thank you that in Jesus we have a wonderful savior. We thank you that we are safe and secure in his arms. Thank you that we have new life in him. Lord, we confess that uh, we don't always experience that. We sometimes let that slip from us. We get distracted by lots of things. We have failed to live for you. We ask, Lord, that you would call us back, that you would forgive us, you would change us, you would enliven us. Lord, for you've done so much for us. These promises that are given, fulfilled in him, we pray that you might fulfill, we might fulfill your, your love for us. We pray that we might act out of that love. We pray we might act. In a way that brings glory to you and to us, your son, our savior. Lord, we pray that we would be a people unified. For Lord, we are not always unified. As you know, the Christian world is very ununified. And Lord, we pray that we would know unity in you. We pray you might know your trust and love and live in a way that brings hope. To a hopeless world we pray that we would live in the security of your love we pray that we might conform to the power of your spirit in jesus name we pray amen